everyone, I'm Christina Raya. Hey, I'm Brie Castellini, here for a special booby bonus uh, with our first returning guest, Micah Khan. Micah, what's going on on Twitter these days? Oh, you know, I've just turned into Twitter's enemy, apparently, to white Twitter, at least. <laughs> yeah, white filmmaking Twitter is all uh, all a flutter. Yeah, they didn't. They don't not yes. like me today. Do you want to read your the offending tweet, which was sent on February third at eleven thirty one p.m.? Oh, God. I don't even have it up. <laughs> We're setting this up like an NPR special. Oh my God! Like, Here we go. All right. On the evening of February third, <laughs> filmmaker named Mike Khan posted something. <laughs> Where were you All when right. the tweet was posted? All right. This is what I said, <laughs> word for word. Stop fucking saying you can shoot it on an iPhone. No, you fucking can't. Tangerine had a budget and custom-fitted anamorphic lens adapters. Retire this example. You are gaslighting filmmakers because you're really saying you don't want it bad enough. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so everything was fine and normal after that, right? It was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone thought I was a fucking film school gear snob. What was the context? What was that coming off of the heels of? It, it's coming off a lot. It really started because, like, I had this... this um, I was on this clubhouse about diversity hiring and... Um, and the the subject of diverse talent came up and somebody joked, one of these executives joked that, why don't we send inner city black kids iPhones? And I'm like, I went ballistic. And I, uh, <laughs> and I was literally like, like, he's like, you, I'm like, you can't fucking shoot on an iPhone. Like the way you think you can. He's, and then he's like, well, Tangerine did it. And I'm like, you can't make Tangerine. You can't. He's like, why they did it. I'm like, mm-hmm. they had a hundred thousand dollar budget. Like, and not only that, like then, like they, he completely didn't even know that Tangerine had a budget. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how these people don't understand that, like, or 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 at least research the film that they're talking about. You know, like you're mm-hmm. telling people to go out and shoot of like. And the other example was Unsane, right? And that one just drives me nuts because mm-hmm. that's a one point five million dollar budget with name actors right. and an Oscar nominee, Oscar nominee, Oscar winning director. I can't remember. But um, I mean, you you like you're telling you're telling people to go out and film on an iPhone and get the same quality these people are getting when they have massive resources and and talent behind their behind their movies. And it it blows mm-hmm. my mind that people did not fucking understand that. Yeah, I think there's sort of two camps here. There's like the camp that just wants young filmmakers to feel like they don't need to wait to make their first film, you know, and like try things mm. out. And then there's the other camp of people who are like wanting to maintain a hierarchy and say like, oh yeah, if we just tell like underrepresented voices that they can do it themselves, then we are, our hands are washed of responsibility. Right. And like the, yeah. the you know, the, the kid filmmakers, the student filmmakers, the first time filmmaker side of things, f- fine, shoot your first thing on an iPhone just to mm-hmm. like learn how composition works. Right. But yeah, learn the mechanics not of filmmaking. To those people. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and that's the thing there. I'm sorry. Christina, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, I think the people that were responding are just choosing to be that ignorant though because they they know that's not your point. You're not talking about like can you actually make a film on an iPhone because of course mm-hmm. and it's it's this idea that like people who want to get their stuff actually made and seen are just not creating when like we're all creating like crazy, okay? So it's not about we're not right. creating, it's about no one's opening a door or letting us like even knock on a fucking door to get to audiences to get a real budget to get people attached that will actually 
gain us some momentum. Right. And the irony of it all is that there are people even commenting that like they have a budget and they're still shooting on an iPhone. I'm like, at that point, you're just flexing like. Yeah. So can we step back? Because I feel like we also for anyone who isn't who wasn't already aware of how this all blew up. Like, how did your tweet take off? Like, what were the reactions and how did, like, why are we so angry? <laughs> it's, it's, you know. Oh, well, I mean, it started with um, two prominent people in the industry uh, ret- uh, quote tweeting me and saying that, um, yes, you absolutely can make a film on an iPhone. And one of them, one of them did reach out to me and apologize. Mm-hmm. I had spoke to him on Monday. Uh, the other one did not fucking get it. Mm-hmm. And, Every time I explained it, didn't want to get it. Just said the gates are the same. The the gates are the same that they've always been in the 90s. Yeah, easy for a white guy to say. Like, mm-hmm. like it's not the same gate that you're going through. You know, and he it kept saying, I had $600 in my pocket when I moved to LA. Like, good for you, man. But like, like it's not, you're not, you're our, not going our, through the same struggle. Our stories are not with, the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I kept saying that. I'm like, you're not understanding what I'm saying, and then when people try to like go on and try to say it, I didn't say I stopped being calm about it after a while. But there are other people who are super calm and super informative, but then he'd go on to invalidate them as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's what really pissed me off. Um, yeah, uh, and then obviously there was a there was a stream of subtweets too, and because people don't want to actually confront you mm-hmm. because if you actually do make it, they want to be your friend, you know. Mm. So. When you when you make something on an iPhone, people know you shot it on an iPhone. There's mm-hmm. no hiding it, and especially when you're trying to do something that's outside your resources. Like, it's it's hard to compete with people who have resources when you're looking to try. Like, this is the thing that I keep trying to tell people is that you like when you make movies, and especially on no budget, you have to work within the resources you have. You can't compare yourself to a multi like a a million dollar project. You can't. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have those resources. Unless you have a million dollars, which is I'm not speaking to those people. Like I'm talking to people who are where I am, where yeah. I, where six hundred dollars to twelve hundred dollars is the difference between you eating and paying your rent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can't just go out and buy an iPhone, especially not the new one. Yeah. Like they make it sound so easy that you can go and like get these things. Yeah, you could, but what is the? What about the people who can't afford that? What about the people who like who? that amount of money is the difference of them surviving, feeding their kids. Are they making excuses? Right. Are they making excuses because they can't go out and make films? Like that's, this is the problem is that this, these blanket advice, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm done with all this dumb, like just go out and shoot it. There's no excuses. There, there's realities to yeah. people. And especially for no budget filmmakers, for people who don't have money, there are socioeconomic problems that they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And they, and the, this advice, and this is the, this is what set it all off is that I got tired of having to explain this to these people. Like they should be doing the research. They want diversity. Then they have to understand where diversity is coming from. And then one of them was a WME agent that was like, you know, how do we get diverse executives in these positions? And it was like paid internships, living wage. Yeah. And then they, and then they made the fucking pandemic excuse. We're like, we're in a pandemic right now. Do it online. Teach people online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. pick people how much are you like, getting paid bud do you need all of that during right. the pandemic like i yeah. bet you could exactly. slash your salary a little bit your lifestyle would change not at all and you could pay right. some kids a living wage who might end up actually changing hollywood i think there's also this frustrating right. system of like 
like Christina was just saying, like, it's not about that we can't get work made. It's that we've made basically all the work we can at the level that we are allowed to rise to. And then instead of getting opportunities based on the incredible work that even just the three of us have done with basically no money, we're just Mm -hmm. continuously told, well, keep doing that. And then maybe your chance will come. And it's like, well, I've already shown you what I can do with nothing. So how about you give me something and then we'll have a further conversation because like, it's not just about the cost of making a film. It's the cost of, we want to move up in the world. We want to make money off of our films or at least for the love of God, be paid to make them. And that, at the end of the day so two things one I do think it's interesting as Micah was saying that like even the default well like movies are so accessible and you can make them now is still like an expensive as fuck phone that like a lot of people uh can't afford 100% but also to what you were saying Brie it comes down to gatekeepers and that's really what we're talking about and like who decides whose story is worthy and that's the problem with when we're talking about diversity it's who's making decisions and as you just said Micah it's about who gets to be in those decision making seats and it's people who can you know afford to work an internship like if we even if we're removing you know nepotism from the equation which at the end of the day is a big part of it because execs are you know hiring people they know people they're related to you know it's a lot of inherited roles but even so Mm. if you actually could work your way up you have to start at an unpaid internship and who can afford to do that people who already have inherited wealth from their family and that is largely white people in this country Mm -hmm. And, and then, of course, even if you are like a person of color who is able to get into that position, you have to deal with all the bias that exists in that world where people are going to expect less from you, treat you poorly, you have to work in a toxic environment. So your ability to actually rise mm-hmm. up and stay in is, is going to, you know, dwindle. And if you're a woman, odds are you're going to be sexually harassed or worse. And so it's mm-hmm. just like... The the barrier to entry it just grows and grows the more um, marginalized and it you moves. are. Yes, and it moves every year. And like that, that's the problem that I kept having with the a lot of the argument was like, oh, well, Robert Rodriguez shot on seven thousand dollars. Yeah, in the fucking eighties. Like yes. <laughs> it's it's you know like, and then the <laughs> or the nineties. I don't remember. And then the other ones like Kevin Smith, right? But he like, he maxed out his credit cards. Like, do you know how much of it in debt? Like, we make it sound. So so easy to max out your credit cards to make a feature film but it's a debt you Mm -hmm. now owe and if that movie fails you're paying it off yeah we're only hearing from the people who were successful after that and who could eventually pay down their credit card bill like how many countless people maxed out their credit cards and just stayed there yeah and also referencing these older examples when student loan debt was not what it was what it is now mm-hmm. it's like not comparable at all the cost of living compared to the minimum wage is not comparable and so like it's not the same as maxing out a credit card when like that's your only debt then you know in the 80s it was a big difference right. and also you're not competing because while i like i do love that yes as as the the tech side of making movies has become cheaper that means that more people can make content. That means that more people are making content. So like you're you're competing. At the end of the day, you are competing for for this idea of like getting discovered and chosen in a much larger pool than any of these guys that we reference were. And so your film exactly. could stand out 
it could get into these festivals because they were getting, you know, a few, a couple hundred submissions versus 12,000 submissions, you know? And so it's, right. it's a very different playing field. Right. It's a whole new world. I just don't think it's true anymore when people say the story is above all, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many more elements. And I think it's such bullshit to say like, oh, if your story is undeniable, then your film is, is going to, is you're going to be fine, but it's not true. No. Your film can be undeniable, but if the person watching your film doesn't understand the cultural context you're coming from, they're not going to accept your movie. There's a reason why Sundance has so much, so many films that are about people of color trauma, because yeah. that's the only thing a lot of these, these decision makers, these screeners and, and all of these can recognize because they don't know what black joy looks like. They don't know what South Asian joy looks like. Mm-hmm. They just assume like it's, it's it's barbershop or it's a Bollywood movie, right? Like mm-hmm. that's Black Joy, right? Like we don't right. want that. Like that doesn't have an emotional resonance, but it does. Yeah. You know, it does to those, the people who are watching it. I do want to share some of the like uh, supportive tweets that I saw that you were like retweeting and that were in the threads yeah. underneath. Before we get to that, just can oh, you like sure. give me a rough number of like how many people generally responded and retweeted? I know the tweet got over a million impressions. Yeah, wow. it's it's almost 3,000 likes, uh, 329 retweets, 235 quote retweets. Yeah, cool. I would say that the most of the response was, was positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but the negative responses wouldn't let up. They wouldn't let anybody have it. And they came from and powerful that's what really, people. Yeah. And, and that's, primarily, that's there was a very clear like gender and race divide. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. the white guys not getting it, and it was the women, people of color, that were getting it. It's just because we get that told all the time. Like it's it's a it's a door that's constantly flung in our face. Like when we mm-hmm. go in and we're like, we need a budget. They say, no, you don't need a budget. Just go and shoot in your iPhone. Like it's that fucking simple. It's sort of like what abouting. It's it's a way to divert your attention from the real issue. You know, you talk about like not having access. You talk about issues within the industry, bias, and the lack of opportunity given to people who are from marginalized identities. And they're like, they always spin it back to you don't need money you don't need any of these things just go make yeah you don't need anyone's permission yeah right but we're all trying to work in this industry it's not just people who are trying to make you know it's not just people who are trying to make content we want to work we want to get paid for our work we want to survive we want to live and just because you don't have the luxury of having to survive doesn't mean you get to tell us that we have to learn a whole industry's worth of work to survive Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like when you tell somebody to go shoot on an iphone what you're really telling them is go learn cinematography Go learn editing. Go learn coloring. Like, go learn all these things, but they don't say it. They just want you yeah. to figure it out. Make your own mistakes. Like, if you're really going to give that advice, if you're really going to go out and say, shoot on an iPhone, give people real information. Tell them how they can go film on an iPhone. Tell them they need to learn the steps to create a pro- like a movie that can compete if that, if that is legitimately your advice. Yeah, no, 100%. It reminds me of the it's quote. It's not uh... just the story anymore. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, I was I was just gonna say there's a there's a tweet that I collected that kind of speaks to that, Micah, um, at Pose Puck on Twitter, um, in telling filmmakers that they also become their own distributors, marketers, agents. It takes a village to make a movie and get it seen. We're burdening filmmakers with the expectation of an army. Just a great fucking yeah. quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like I can't believe how many people didn't 
get it or didn't want to get it. And then I'm I'm also disappointed by some people who like I thought would get it, but then contributed to it. It's rough. I mean, because I, I, I wrote down this phrase, the filmmaking education industrial complex, because I really think that's what it is. Like we saw fellow podcasters yeah. subtweeting you in ways that were frustrating and their podcasters and like other film educators who like have like paid modules that they sell. Um, like most people who are making money as filmmakers are making it tangentially. So they're making it by selling class modules. They're making it by like selling consultations. And, you know, Christina and I make a lot of our money from doing education. Me right now through Seed and Spark, Christina on her own, um, me through, you know, various side hustles that I have to do to keep afloat. And I get the implication, like the, that part of my continuing to get paid is filmmakers who don't know anything coming to me and asking me for like the basics. And like, that's what I teach. I teach first time filmmakers. I teach writers, longtime writers, first time producers, like that's my niche. And so to those people, it is about like, Hey, maybe shoot on an iPhone, but like, I am also a member of society, you know? We live in a yeah. society and it's good when right. people don't need me. And I am not threatened by that because ideally in a system without capitalism, people would just have the resources and I wouldn't have to like charge for my services because I wouldn't need to worry about like gatekeeping my own admittedly pretty cheap advice to people. <laughs> so that I can eat. Like I shouldn't have to choose between giving people information that I'd be happy to give them versus needing to eat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. so I am not personally threatened by it, but it was disheartening to see a lot of the community, like the, a lot of the sort of colleagues of, of ours who were also being shitty subtweeters and not acknowledging yeah. sort of their own complicity in that system. Right, exactly. Because, but they are capitalizing off of the the lie the myth because mm -hmm. if they like tell you mike is just being pessimistic and he's wrong and there is a way and like you can do it then you'll keep paying for their services because they have like a secret right. that someone like micah doesn't have right like they have a secret and so you you <laughs> want to you gotta pay for it there's a paywall right wall. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. and i mean like we have a paid educational system right now too like we have our sub stack for five bucks a month we're making a ton of additional educational content but i'd like to think that the way that we sell it isn't like the only way you'll succeed is by paying us and the only way that we'll right. succeed in marketing that content is by perpetuating a myth that like you know there there really is a way through if you just use an iphone right totally yeah i mean it's just like being truthful and being aware of the world that we live in and to me, it's like it's on the same page. So I tweeted about this yesterday from when we were recording this, which was another podcast peer of ours. They in an episode, a guest said something against Donald Trump and the the host cut them off and said, we keep it apolitical on this podcast. And I was like, fuck that. Like, how could like how can you possibly like filmmaking is political. It's inherently political. Art is political. Mm -hmm. And like the choice to not engage with politics is political because you're upholding the status quo. And exactly. And so like, how could you possibly be talking about filmmaking and being a filmmaker in the world without acknowledging the state of class in our society, without acknowledging who the, who the people are that have power, how they wield that mm. power and how it creates a hierarchy of access and and who can have any level of sustainability and who can actually like have their voices heard and and so it's just such a like it's just such a white bro thing to like 
assume that you can kind of you can pretend that things are equal and that there's this even playing field and so like yeah you just go make a film on an iphone and all you have to do is put it up and because you know story reigns it'll it'll just get noticed and it, it doesn't matter that that person knows all these people who are gonna spread the word like crazy and are gonna you know the fact that like the fucking Duplass brothers were producers on Tangerine you know, like no, they pretend that none of that matters when that's everything and like the fact that they're not acknowledging that just like makes me call bullshit on everything they're selling everything that they're teaching yeah like exactly something that tangerine got i was reading their wikipedia page before we hopped on this call and um they got a lot of their kit for free from their, those anamorphic adapters that i think even micah you mentioned they got those for free mm. from like a kickstarter that was raising money for them but quote he had informed them he was working with mark duplass on the project so he got three free like probably really expensive custom fitted anamorphic adapters because he could name drop Mark Duplass. It's not just like, just email Kickstarters. Maybe you'll get something Listen, out of it. Uh -huh. Like even the free part of their budget. <laughs> but like, that's, that's the thing is like, when you have these powerful names to throw your weight behind, like, of course, of course they're gonna give you stuff for free. And that's the other thing is like, a lot of these, these festivals, they have the no budget, like, or the, or the, or the shoot on iPhone competition, right? Like a lot of festivals have the shot on iPhone now. But they're not they're not talking about resources. They're not talking about like like there are there are film bros out there that just shoot on iPhones for clout. Mm -hmm. Like literally just to get into these festivals just to say they hey they got into Tribeca because we shot on an iPhone. You know, and what these festivals need to do is really tamp it down. Like they have to say like I don't know, I don't know what a decent budget is. Like I don't know what these film bros are making their movies at. But I'm assuming it's over ten thousand. Because I'm I'm reading a book right now called Um How Not to Make a Short Film. Right? <laughs> Um, it's by a Sundance programmer named Roberta Monroe. It's very outdated. It was written in 2009. Um, but she constantly assumes that the budget for every short film is $12,000. <laughs> so, and that's, that's funny to me because, and then she's just like, you know, a lot of these filmmakers, you can just go to their families and ask for $3,000 and go and shoot. I'm like, um, what? no, <laughs> no, uh, you're making the wrong assumptions. Um, yeah. but that being said, this is what you're, this is what you're competing with regardless. This is mm -hmm. like, this is. Because you're still dealing with people who have shiny tools or resources or money. Mm -hmm. So, like, a lot of these film, film festivals need to, like, really stamp down and be, like, budget under $7,000, in-kind included. You know, yeah, if you're getting the in-kind piece like, of it is the thing we don't talk about enough. And we talked about it right. in Pulkett's episode. And I, I think I quote-tweeted yeah. your, your tweet because it's, <laughs> it's, it's been on our minds recently. But, like, yeah, everyone's $12,000 budget, budget is not built the same because if yeah. you right. have Mark Duplass, like, giving you his weight to get free equipment, right. like, the actual in-kind budget of most films is much, much higher. Even ours that we right. spend 500 yeah. bucks on is higher yep. than that. But my, exactly. like, free access, my in-kind budget is also way smaller than most people's and so it is super yeah. unfair to say oh well both of us literally spent five hundred dollars so we're the same but we're not right right and this is the thing like uh, you know and i hate to bring them up but like film riot right mm -hmm. film riot made it made a series where they're like we're gonna shoot um we're gonna make a short film for under seven hundred dollars right they had red cameras they had gear they had in-kind stuff they had a prop master make props for them for free like you're advertising wrong yeah mm -hmm. like you are you are perpetuating this lie that, yep. that you're you just you're just saying have friends that have resources that don't mind working for free to yep. help you make your vision and that's like it's such a lie like this industry is built on so many different lies 
and like and like you guys are saying like the myth of like you know make the perfect story and people will see it it's just not true anymore it's a completely different market and I think yeah. it's because of ego. I think like all of these people want to believe that they earned this, that it's their talent, yeah. their craft that got them ahead. Well, and some of that is true, but like you also have to acknowledge your privilege I, I in order to make it's like an white ecosystem privilege. we can all work in. It's like white yeah. privilege. It's white people not wanting to acknowledge that like, yes, you worked hard and also you started like five miles ahead of this person who started, you know, three miles ahead of this person who started, right? So it's just like, you have to acknowledge that you're not starting from the same place. And that Mm -hmm. means that you're, yes, of course, like in a vacuum, you worked hard, but you did not have to work nearly as hard as people who have Mm -hmm. their identities against them in in this Mm -hmm. world, right? right? And I think that like, again, speaks to who was so triggered by your tweet right <laughs> it's yeah. like making people acknowledge their privilege when they don't want to mm-hmm. right and they got so angry about it they got yeah. so angry about it and that's the other thing is that also like rich filmmakers can they spend all their time learning their craft we don't have that benefit we have to that's work right. we have to pay bills we have to we're working 40 hours a week on top of what we're making it's not that we're and again like just like you guys said it's not like we're not creating it's mm-hmm. all we do but yep. we have so many more obstacles in front of us that we have to deal with. And if we don't do, if we don't pay attention to how we're making our money, we're not paying our rent. And then we're, we're getting set back even more, mm-hmm. which is a lot of these people don't have to deal with because they have a right. safety net. Yeah, that's right. It's stuff we talked about in our fifth episode, of what's in your wallet, where we just talked about like mm-hmm. the fact that having creative energy has so much to do with like how many hours are you working a day on just like paying your bills mm-hmm. and then who who has the privilege yeah. to like relax in the evening and and daydream and come up with ideas and like put pen to paper versus someone who has to be up the next day and get to work of like one of their three jobs or something you know it's a, it's a mm-hmm. there's just no it's not tangible really but there's just such an imbalance uh, across right. who has that energy who has that ability mm-hmm. that 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 privilege i have worked every day of my life since i was 15 mm-hmm. and and the thing is like what covid really did was got me to slow down and start asking questions like why am mm-hmm. i stuck in this grind you know and i and it felt like i was never really getting anywhere like i you know i was just getting ground to the to dirt and i'm tired of it because it's not me I know I can fucking make movies. I know I can do it collaboratively. And I know I, I know that I have good friends who trust me and that want to make movies with me. I think the pandemic yeah. made a lot of us re-examine the sort of things we were taking for granted about our own hustle because mm-hmm. a lot of the like physical like seeming benefits of our hustle were taken away. And then we were just right. left with... I can't believe I worked 24 hours today. This sucks ass. Why am I working so hard and getting nowhere? I don't want to just do this for the rest of my life. Making art for art's sake Mm -hmm. is not what I'm in this for in a capitalist society. Right. Right. And that's the other thing is I realized that my hustle was toxic. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I was always on. Always. It was a problem. Like if I wasn't writing, if I wasn't planning a short film, if I wasn't sending emails, I was working and you know and like trying to find money to save to make the next short film and pay my bills and do all this stuff like and it's like i didn't give myself any break and so like when covid hit i just stayed in bed for like what seemed like two months and did nothing 
it was insane. It, and and looking back on it, I'm like, I don't want to go back to that norm. I don't yeah. want to do it. I want to make more time for my friends. I want to live, but I can't because it's not allowed right now. Mm-hmm. And that's the question is like, when people say, don't wait for anybody's permission, I have to wait for everything's permission. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there is no... There is no living like without having to do this thing or this thing or this thing first, you know, like, and that's the thing is people don't get is it's not as simple as don't wait for permission to make your film. It's like we have so many other things to deal with. I mean, Maslow's hierarchy of needs always comes to mind in conversations like this. Like until you can achieve those like higher levels of living, your base foundation of like being alive and safe need to be met. And that's not true for a lot of filmmakers, especially when we're expected to have a career on top of the career that pays our bills. Right. On top of the career of being alive and cleaning your toilet and like buying groceries and, you know, making sure that you're healthy and feeling good. Like, who among us could honestly be expected to do all of that perfectly, especially when eventually you can't give yourself permission. I can't give myself permission to have a $50,000 budget. I can't do that. Eventually someone has to give that to me. Either I even in kind, you can't give yourself permission even in kind to get that 50,000 budget. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's so hard because there is so much value in art and movies and TV because like just this pandemic alone, the way people have turned to everything that exists on these platforms for comfort, you know, Mm -hmm. it proves like how valuable it is. And also to see like how you can push people forward and so Mm -hmm. create social change through art. It just matters so much. But when it comes to like dollar value, audiences just have this weird disconnect And so it's so hard to create any kind of real sustainability on an independent level. And then you have Hollywood just like hoarding wealth. And anytime we have any kind of like thing that's ours that allows us to make money off of an audience, they come and they take it away or they use it themselves and and box us out. Then then the response is, well, like you can do it on your own. Do it on a fucking iPhone. Like, you know, it's just so disingenuous. Yeah. 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 I mean, if Netflix really fucking cared, let's be honest here, um, they would stop spending money on $100 million movies and put that towards $1 million indie films if they yeah. really wanted to. If they yeah. really wanted to. Or mid-budget films mm-hmm. for coming for filmmakers that are just coming up. Like, you know, there, there are a lot of people who are still stuck in the indie level that could benefit from a $10 million film. You know, like, it, it's just, it's not, I think the mistake a lot of people took from my tweet is that it's not about me. It's about mm-hmm. all of us. And at some point we need to stop treating each other like we're a dollar value or mm-hmm. a, a filmmaker that's part of the, like who's just part of the system and realize that we're real people that are really suffering and really dealing with this industry, like uh, on a level that nobody else is. And, and that's the, that's the part that really has pissed me off about all these people who have subtweeted me that, and that, that led to the, some other tweets where I'm like, stop listening to people who don't know where you're coming from. Right. That's like, right. I, I need people to stop listening to people who are just trying, like the same people who are telling you to go out and shoot on an iPhone or go make your film. No excuses are trying to sell you something. They're either trying to sell you their masterclass. They're trying to sell you um, their memberships (laughs) or they're trying to sell you script evaluations at 300 a pop. Mm -hmm. You know, like if they stand to make a profit off of you, don't listen to them. That's, that's, That's how I've been feeling lately. 
especially if they're not from the same background as you. If they just if they're from a wealthy background or a white filmmaker, people of color, women, like if you're if you're listening to a white guy who's making films, don't listen to him. <laughs> Unsubscribe because they don't get it, they, and they're never gonna get it. They can pretend to get it. They can pretend to get it for clout, like all these Netflix filmmakers are doing. They have all these diverse casts, but yet they are all backed by white directors. You know what I mean? Because they are they are more than happy to profit off a off a movement that was meant to benefit people of color and women just to get ahead in their career. Yeah. Yeah. They're more than happy to profit off that. The Fairley brothers did not stand up for diversity in the room, but happily profited off of black trauma. Oh God. Don't even get me what, fucking started on them. What, just for my own thirty, who who are they? Well, they made Green Book. Got it. Okay. Prior to the Green Book, they were like, you know, um there's something dumb and about dumber. Mary, dumb and dumber. Yeah. Got yeah. it. They and, were and also the on that, that season of Project Greenlight. Yeah. The Effie Brown one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They were the producers of the film that came out of that season. Right. And they in the room when Matt Damon was saying diversity is in front of the camera, not behind the camera, they said mm-hmm. nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what it is, man. They don't they only care about what's in front of the camera, not who's behind it. And that's why until that narrative shifts. And it's, it might not happen for a while. It's up to us to figure out our own ways to get there and and to create our own sustainable systems and to not participate in theirs. Because if, if, like, if we're not, and I don't even know if this is a solution or an answer, but like we need to figure out something different, you know, because mm-hmm. Hollywood was built on white supremacy. Like, That's let's right. not fucking forget that. Like, let's not forget where it's built. Its roots are like, until we pull those those bad roots out, I'm 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 done listening to them. I'm done listening to people who are profiting off a system that is oppressing people. Yeah, especially when they like decide to stay willfully ignorant. Yeah. Like the people who stop talking and listening when they make it, when they break in, are traitors. <laughs> and we should stop yeah. taking them seriously. Yeah. And again, yeah. I'm super happy that one of those people who who did quote tweet me reached out to me to understand more. He wanted to learn more and he listened. And I'm super happy about that. But the rest of them can go die. <laughs> right. But also, I expect that that guy to use his power to change things moving forward then. Because now he has no excuse, right? To right. not go, like, start some sort of fucking initiative that's going to get people hired. The ball's in his court now. I'm, I am watching. Right. <laughs> yeah. I will say that his partner, his partner in his production company also retweeted me is like i made a four thousand dollar short film the sound was bad but my voice was there and that made my whole career i'm like could you imagine a person of color or a woman making a film that has bad sound yeah. made for four thousand dollars and also to have four thousand dollars right now would be insane for me <laughs> like i have four hundred dollars in my savings account <laughs> like like to even have four thousand dollars first of all let's not even talk about the the privilege in saying that but also to have it a half-baked movie make your career is insane to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like everything, you know, women, black women specifically have to work so much harder to prove right. themselves, have to be so much better. And so like you would not get yep. in the door with a with a mediocre film with bad sound. Like you have to be Let's... so mm-hmm. much better than a famous white guy's best movie with your first film, yep. you know? And that's the thing is like, and that's what I keep saying. And this is what I keep saying to everybody is like, if you're, a, if you're a man 
and you're a person of color in this industry, the industry is really hard for you. It's going to mm -hmm. be hard always. Mm -hmm. But if you're a woman, it's twice as hard than that. And if you're a woman person of color, it's damn near impossible. Mm -hmm. And that's why we need like, and that's why I really love what Cheryl's doing because like I, I've been complaining about that for so long. And then Cheryl just like, I don't know if you guys knew Cheryl's, but she started mm -hmm. that. DTC start list. With, start with a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was, I, that's why I like, I, I can shut up now about the whole, like, um, it's harder for women of color because she's really putting in the work and I feel like it's going to bring some change. And if it doesn't, I'll go right back to being very vocal about it. But uh, <laughs> I'm so happy to see somebody out there actually doing real change and holding people accountable. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you're a woman of color who's listening to this, you should definitely check out Women of Color Unite. I think it's dot org. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm it is too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a member. They have a great like app that you can put on your phone, and it's a community. It's free, unlike a lot of other women's organizations that charge <laughs> cough, for cough. a dubious membership. <laughs> um, and she really puts like she really puts in the work to to not only, you know, offer jobs and get people opportunities, but there's the what is the hashtag on Twitter? Uh, start with eight. Is that yeah, it? Start with start eight, with I eight, think. Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's like direct mentorship. She it's like a pairing of mentor and mentee. Mm. And and I've heard I haven't done it, but I've heard very good things from people who have been part of it. And so yeah, I, I have hope with that. Uh, initiative as well it's something right it's, yeah. it is a it is a step forward and that's what it feels like but like it's still there's still so much more work to be done and like if, if we're not doing it if we even let up for even a second it goes right back to normal the way it was you know like and that's i think that's the thing that people don't understand is like if we stop putting in the work we we stop moving mm -hmm. that's you right know? and yeah i wish i wish i could do something i really wish i could do something but I guess the most I can do is eat rich people, which I, I will do. <laughs> yeah, I will do. <laughs> metaphorically, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. not in an army hammer way. Just on the record, you know, it's metaphorically for sure. Just, just keep you know, just being vocal. I think that's that's you know, don't not letting people perpetuate the myth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Lie. Yeah, speaking truth to power is, right. is huge. Eventually, they can't keep there's us lot, all shut up. Yeah, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen out there. <laughs> That's right. Bree, why don't you close us out with some tweets? Sure. Whenever you put anything up online, most of like, unless you're a crazy person, most of the feedback is going to be good. And then, but it's the minority, ironically, the minority negative people who like kind of take over and so I wanted to kind of end on a positive note of like the people who do understand and, and I think had some good additional context so um so this is a from Che Day Man on Twitter responding to somebody who was being shitty saying yeah he's not griping about actual gear he's pointing out that shoot on an iPhone is often thrown out there as a magic silver bullet solution that removes responsibility from the industry to do much needed work to tear down larger barriers to entry a great mm -hmm great point um at robert art angle the tweet's not making comments on the value of art shot on an iphone but rather the cost to make iphone footage look quote professional means it's not the equalizer it's touted to be at jim mins i keep reading from white hollywood quote don't stop creating never let gatekeepers hold you down they're not people are creating that's not the issue stop making it the issue <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> at l schneider there's a lot of pressure on the indie world to diy if you have no resources to tell a story the can-do myth almost always puts the blame on underrepresented artists for not bootstrapping so when a diy attempt fails because just make it is a hard road to success tell us bust the myth 
and then finally from Misha Grim K, it's Kevin Fox on Twitter, who I also am mutuals with. Uh, but it's so easy to say, quote, just shoot your thing and make it good. The implication being, if it isn't good, maybe it's just the fact that you weren't talented enough to make those limitations placed on you as someone without connections work. And to me personally, there's always an undercurrent of, well, you can't financially bear the burden of this high cost of entry to be taken seriously. Maybe you aren't good enough slash trying hard enough. We never ask the question of who this excludes. Yep. That is a really good way. I, I didn't read that one, but I, mm-hmm. I love Kevin. He, he had a whole thread that was really week. good. Yeah. And, and and that's I think that's a good place to, to, to talk about real quick is that if there's any filmmakers out there who don't have a budget, don't ha- don't don't have resources like it's OK to make your film the way you have to make it. You need to stop comparing yourself to other people's work. It is toxic. It only mm-hmm. perpetuates an unhealthy work habit. And you can get there. You can and you can learn. There are resources out there. There are resources that are free. And there are some resources behind a paywall. Fine. But most of those paywalls have a free trial. <laughs> right? like, um, um, and you can but, share them with friends. Right. And the, big, the biggest thing is going out to, and I always say this, is network laterally. Meet people in your neighborhood. You know, you can't do it alone. And if you're if you're out there and you're struggling to pay your rent, I get it. But it's it's about building a community and it takes time. Don't be upset about how long it takes. You have everything against you. You're not crazy and you're not you don't need to feel like you're not putting in enough work. It is hard. You're going to fail and that's okay. That's important. Yeah. Last I message. think that's, I think that, I think we call it, folks. Thanks so much, Micah, for joining us again on this very special oh, episode. Yeah. Definitely, we'll have links to a lot of the stuff that we mentioned throughout this episode, including like resources where you can find Micah so that you can protect him from being canceled on Twitter again. Um, and everything <laughs> else uh, will always be in our, our episode description and on our Substack for free. And I'm sure this won't be the last time we have Micah back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I have a lot to say, and I, I I see a lot of pain in this industry that nobody wants to acknowledge. I I'm ready. I'm ready to. I'm ready to go down swinging at this point. Well, we're with you. Yep, we are. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everyone. <laughs>